questions and answers. The Bible references rewards that will be given to those who believe in Christ. But what are these rewards and where can we find this in Scripture? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In this episode of Evidence and Answers, Pat will be talking with pastor, author, and Christian apologist, Dr. Mark Hitchcock, as they discuss his latest book entitled Heavenly Rewards. Now, on to today's show. And I tell people, you know, if Pastor so-and-so or, or even myself, I'm on the radio or I'm preaching and teaching in front of hundreds, and that can be ego-fulfilling, you know. It can be, yeah. but, but the usher who is out there, who nobody knows his name, handing out bulletins, fixing chairs, he may, when we get to heaven, he may have the greater reward than the guy who was yeah. up there preaching from the pulpit uh, because right, of yeah. what you just said, motives. No, that's right. Our motives, and it's a... Motives are a very slippery thing. You know, they really are. And I, you know, I'm like you. I preach a lot and teach a lot and do a lot of things. And I just try not to think about it. You know, just do it and do it for the Lord and love the people that are there and try to not do that. But the problem is if we begin to think very long about what we're doing or how many people are there or if someone gives us a compliment, if we keep thinking about that and two hours, three hours later, we're still just kind of nursing that compliment, you know, that we got and just kind of savoring that. It's it's nice. And I really appreciate it when I speak or do something. People come up and say something nice to me. That's a good thing to do because it's encouraging. But we've got to let it be encouragement but then not carry it on too long to where it becomes a – uh, something to where we, we're just uh, you know taking that to ourselves and it's kind of inflating us in pride. Yeah, now I'm thinking about the guy out there saying, well, you know, we really don't do anything uh, with 100% pure motives. There's some selfishness in there, so how can anyone get any reward, Mark? Well, that's a good question. I've thought about that a lot myself. You know, I used to hold the idea that some Christians won't get any reward. Um, that they're, you know, it talks about in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, you know, some will be saved so as through fire. You know, it's kind of just getting through the fire. You know, they'll be saved, but it'll be kind of like coming through the fire. All they'll have left is just their clothes on their back. Um, I heard old J. Vernon McGee say years ago, you know, some believers after they go through the, the uh, fire test are going to smell like they were bought at a fire sale. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, that certainly can be true. But but I do think God will find something to reward in every believer's life. And I base that on 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Again, that verse I've quoted a couple times. But the last phrase says, and each man's praise will come to him from God. And it's in the singular there, each person. And we often think, well, what about somebody who got saved when they're 85 or 90 or somebody even on their deathbed conversion? But I think God will find something to reward in the life of every believer and we have to remember that any reward we receive ultimately is going to be as a result of the grace of God. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't yeah. save myself. God saved me. I mean, I, I believe that God even came and gave me the faith to believe. And then after I became a believer, God gave me the Holy Spirit to live inside of me, to empower me and to energize me and to energize my affections for the Lord to do things for him. And so I didn't save myself, I don't empower or energize myself, yet someday God is going to reward me. So it's all grace. And that's why I think, too, in 1 Corinthians 3, it talks about how some build their house with gold, silver, precious stones, and some with wood and hay and stubble. Now, we know the wood, hay, and stubble are worthless things, but notice when he says we build, some use gold and silver and precious stones. 
some have made the idea that those are kind of almost grades as well. You know, in other words, not everything's gold, but it may be silver, it may be precious stones. So, you know, if something is tainted a little bit by our motives, we may still get a reward, but not as much reward. So, so that's that's kind of how some people look at that. But what it basically comes down to is whatever rewards we receive are going to be by the grace of God. And for me, the things that I think I'll be rewarded for are probably the things I didn't even know that I really did. Because if I have much time to think about it, I probably will mess it up with some bad motive or bad thought. But I know sometimes probably I do things I don't even know I do them. And that's probably some of the things that I'll probably be rewarded most highly for. Yeah, now Mark, let's talk about that passage we've quoted several times here, 1 Corinthians 3. It talks about that the foundation being Christ, and of course that can't be removed, but our works will be tested by fire, and some will be burned up. So are you saying that the things that we've done on this earth will be tested by fire, and some of the things that we've invested our life in are just going to be like burned up? Yeah, that's what he seems to say there, yeah. In 1 Corinthians 3 there, Paul's talking about really his work at Corinth. He'd been there for a year and a half, and he'd laid the foundation of the church. And the foundation was Jesus Christ. And others came were building on that, and he's saying how they build is going to be judged. But I think we can expand that passage beyond that to our lives as well as believers, that the foundation's been laid, which is Jesus, and then we choose what we're going to build with. We can build with gold and silver and precious stones. We all know what that is. That's stuff that's valuable and stuff that's going to last. Or we can build with wood, hay, and straw or stubble. And we all know what that is. It, that, that's easier to build with. I mean, you can build quicker, but it's not valuable and isn't going to last. And he says one of these days that the, the building inspector is going to come, if you will, and inspect our building. And he's going to put the fire to it. And whatever remains, that's what's going to be rewarded. And I love it there. It says he's going to test the quality of each man's work. I love that. He doesn't say the quantity of it. I think God wants quantity and quality. He's, he's fine with that. But he's more interested in the quality than the quantity. And I think, you know, a lot of people today are out building ministries or building churches or doing things, and they're, they're doing it just to do it quickly. They're just using wood, hay, and straw, but not something that's going to last or stand the test of time. And so all of us need to look at that in our lives. You know, what am I using to build with? Am I just kind of taking the easy path and grabbing what's ever at hand to do it? Or am I really basing what I'm doing um, upon the Word of God and doing it in a way that may take longer, it may be more difficult, but it's going to last. It's going to have ultimate value. But then when he says the day is going to declare it, it's going to be, you know, each man's the, the work's going to be burned up. I don't think it means there that the person will be burned up because it says that, that, that the person says, and he will be saved yet so as through fire. So it's the works and what we've done that either wasn't done for the Lord or done with a wrong motive or in some wrong way. That's what's going to go up in smoke. But the believer himself or herself will be saved. So you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we think that we did for the Lord that was really some great work that may go up in smoke. That's a sobering thing to think about. But if we're a believer at the judgment seat, we're going to be saved. Because the judgment seat isn't to determine if we get into heaven or not. It's to review and evaluate our lives and to reward us based on that. Yes. Now, based on that passage there, and this is something that many of us may not have realized, but will there be a feeling of remorse or sadness at the judgment seat? Well, I think there has to be some, because you know we're not going to know less in heaven than we know now. 
So it's not going to be like we're going to be there in heaven at the judgment seat and we're not going to know the opportunities we had or the things we could have done that we shouldn't have done. In fact, we're going to know more then than we know now. It talks about in, at the end of 1 John chapter 2 that you know that we need to, to live a, a life that's pleasing to God so we don't shrink away from him in shame at his coming. You know, mentions in the book of Revelation that he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes, you know, at that point in time in the future. So many believe that there will be regret, shame, you know, remorse at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't see how we can get away from that because we're going to know the opportunities we've had. You know, I have shame and remorse now many times, you know, about opportunities I had that I didn't seize. And what I would say to that, though, to counterbalance that, while there will be some shame and regret and remorse there, I don't think that will be the overwhelming sense of emotion that we have. I still think the overwhelming emotion we'll have at the judgment seat will be joy. And I base that on the book of Jude. At the very end of Jude, it says that we're going to stand in his glorious presence, blameless, with great joy. So I think the overriding emotion will be joy, that we're there, that you know, we're there, that, that Christ is there, that we're there with God's people. But I do think that mixed in with that will be some regret and, and remorse and, and, and pain. I don't see how that can, how that can be not be present. You know, cause we're gonna we're gonna know a lot when we're there. We're gonna know what we could have done and should have done with our life. Yes, you know. And on top of that, Second John eight states, uh, "Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward." And Revelation three eleven. Christ says, hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. So can rewards be lost? Yeah, I believe they can. Now, I, when, I, when it says that you know, rewards can be lost, I don't think it means that, that God is going to give us a reward and then take it back. So I don't think it means you, know, you get it and then you lose it. What I think it means is you, you lose the, the reward that you could have gotten when you get to heaven. It's really interesting when you look at Scripture about rewards being forfeited, there's several different ways that reward can be forfeited. One is they can be forfeited by default. I think that is by you know, failing to be faithful in what we're doing. We just kind of do something for a while, but then maybe we default and we quit doing it. So you know, we just kind of give up, and, and by default, we lose that reward. We can also lose rewards, I think, by what I call defect. And that's kind of what we've been talking about for a little bit here, how we do what we do or why we do what we do. So by, by some defect in our service, it, what we do may be a good thing, but it may be done with the wrong motive. We can lose it by defect. But we can also lose reward by disqualification. You know, even the Apostle Paul, think about this, as great as Paul was, he said, I buffet my body. It means I discipline my body so that I myself, having preached to others, might not be disqualified. And the word disqualified there doesn't mean he would lose his salvation. Um, it's a word that was actually used in the games of that day, the athletic games. When someone was disqualified for breaking the rules, they would say that that person was adakamas. It's the Greek word, disqualified. And that's the word Paul uses there. So Paul says, look, even me, even, even the great apostle, if I don't do what God's called me to do, I can even be disqualified from receiving a reward in the future. So certainly if Paul could be disqualified, so can we. And so we need to read the Bible and try to carry out the various things that Scripture tells us to do because reward can be forfeited or can be lost for all of eternity. Yes, not only do we have to start the race, we've got to finish and finish That's well. Right. Yeah, you know, I think of the great Joe Paterno, you know, who set the records for the most wins, I think, of any collegiate coach. 
statue was made of him and, and reward and scholarship in his name, but it was all lost, right. you know, at, at the very end of his life. A very tragic story because I believe one of his top assistant coaches was found molesting a child, and he actually knew about it and didn't say anything. And all his life's work in the end was lost. I think it completely broke his heart, and I think that's what led to his death. So it's a sobering thought that as believers, yeah, we got the joy of going to salvation, but knowing that seeing some of our lifetime achievements and all that we invested burned up in the fire there, or knowing that perhaps we lost some of the rewards. No, that's right. It's a, That's a sobering thought. And a lot of believers, I think, are just kind of sitting on the sidelines a lot, really not doing much, not sacrificing very much. Again, we don't do these things to gain our salvation, but once we become a believer, God is, is looking at what we're doing, and he's evaluating us. And I think that a lot of believers, again, I, I hope that you know what we're talking about here today will be a comfort to people and a help. But I pray that it also be a little, be a little bit of conviction and a challenge maybe to many who are listening to say, you know, what am I doing with my life? Uh, someday I'm going to stand before the Lord. I'm going to stand before Jesus. You know, there's an old saying I heard years ago that every one of us are going to have to sing solo before God. <laughs> wow. you, know, I, you know, I can get in a big choir and sound pretty good, you know, but, you, you know, singing solo is a different thing. And it's a, that's a sobering thing. I mean, to, to stand there before the one who created me and say, you, you saved me, you called me out of darkness into the light. And yet, you know, I, I really didn't really do very much, you know, in, in service for you. So again, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on people, but it's a, I'm just trying to give them a, a really a, a challenge to rise up and, and to, when we stand before the Lord, look, all of us are going to be humbled, but it'll be a wonderful thing. You know, Jesus said that we can hear those words, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's, that's what we should strive for in our lives as believers. Yes, you know, that would be the greatest reward to hear those oh. words coming from his mouth. Oh. Yeah, the pre just having yeah. him praise us. You know, you yeah. think about somebody you really respect, you know, a parent or a teacher, when they praise us, and I love that. I mean, just his praise, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Just the praise, I mean, the, the Lord of the ages, the shepherd of the stars, the creator of the universe, he'll, he's going to praise me yeah. for, for something that I've done. That right there, I mean, that's uh, enough to, to go for all eternity on. Yeah, you know, when... Uh... My mentor, Dr. Norman Geisler, he wrote, he said, Pat is the top Asian-American apologist that I know, you know, in the world today. And man, I was high on a, on a <laughs> mountaintop for about two yeah. months. And then it dawned on me, I asked him, I said, Dr. Geisler, how many Asian-American apologists <laughs> do you know? And he said, well, one, you. <laughs> so that brought me down. Yeah. But, uh, That's right, yeah. Yeah, but well, like I'm my, my uh, mother-in-law's favorite son-in-law. You know, I'm the only one. You know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been talking about these rewards. What are they? You know, Scripture talks about crown, the victor's crown, the crown of life. Jesus in Luke 19 talks about ruling over cities. And I mean, what are these? Just symbolic figures, or are they literal crowns and, and territories? What are these rewards? Well, I, mean, I take them literally. I think some crown will be given. Now, it's what the crown signifies. You know, it's not just a crown that's given that, that in and of itself has the value. It's what the crown signifies. The crown signifies that Jesus Christ has approved and has been pleased by something that I've done. Now, you know, for instance, you take uh, the crown of righteousness. You know, Paul says, you know, there's laid up for me in heaven the crown of righteousness. You know, not for me only, but those who've loved his appearing. And I think what he's saying is if you, if you look forward to Christ's coming, 
and you're living a godly life in light of that, Christ is going to someday give you the crown of righteousness. And I don't think that means the righteousness, imputed righteousness, that every believer has, because every believer gets that. But this is a further reward. And so it's going to be a sign that I lived my life in a way that to please God in light of Christ's coming. And Christ approved of that, and it pleased him. And so he's going to give me that crown. So, you know, whether it's a physical crown we receive, it's going to be some demonstration of his approval and his being pleased with us based on that characteristic in my life. And I take it that, you know, during the millennial reign of Christ, when he's reigning literally on the earth for a thousand years, he says, look, some of you are going to rule over five cities and some over ten cities. We're going to have, I believe, tremendous opportunities for administrative authority ruling and reigning with Christ over this earth. And, you know, again, some people will say, well, I don't care what my job is. You know, I don't care if I'm the dog catcher, you know what I mean? Or I don't care if I don't have to be the mayor over 10 cities or whatever. But it's going to be different. And all of eternity, it's going to be a sign of the fact that we pleased God with our life and, and we were a blessing to him. And, again, I don't think the person who's the dog catcher is going to feel unfulfilled or unsatisfied, but they're going to know that they don't have the rewards that this other person has and this other person's life is going to be different in eternity than them. And so, again, you know, I think that's the most nebulous part about heavenly rewards is exactly what are the rewards. But we have to trust God that these things are worth laboring for. You know, Moses, you know, he gave up the pleasures of Egypt to suffer reproach with his people because he was looking for the reward. Even Jesus himself, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So whatever these rewards are, they must be something that are, is beyond our ability to grasp. They're, they're going to be something that we're going to revel in for all of eternity. And you say for all of eternity. I mean, how long will these rewards last? Some people say, oh, you know, Revelation says, you know, we throw our crowns at his feet. So we'll only have them for a little while anyway. Well, I think, again, as I mentioned earlier, I think that casting the crowns at his feet is just a symbol of us acknowledging that he's the one to whom the glory uh, is to be given. But if you read, you know, if we, if we go on and read the scriptures, you know, it talks about, again, us ruling and reigning with Christ for a thousand years. And so it's obvious that those rewards last for a long period of time. And then when you get to the very end of Revelation or near the end, Revelation 22, verse 5, you're going to reign forever and ever with him. So we're going to rule and reign, and the benefits that have accrued to us because of those rewards will go on, I believe, you know, for, for all of eternity. So it's not like we just get the reward for a while. Um, whatever rewards we have, I think that they will uh, reside with us, remain with us forever. Yes, and you talk about rule and reign for eternity, and some people might be asking out there, well, what are we actually going to rule and reign over? Yeah, well, we don't know for sure. and We do know, as again, as I said earlier, we're going to judge the angels. Or during the millennial reign, we're going to rule and reign over people who are living on the earth during that time for that thousand years. But on into eternity, we have no idea what God has in store for us. You know, there's going to be a new heavens, there's going to be a new earth. You know, we may reign over parts of that, and, and uh, we don't know what that, what that entails. But it sounds marvelous, it sounds, you know, unbelievable to us that we're going to have that privilege to reign as, you know, co-regents in some way with the Lord Jesus Christ. So... Whatever it is, it should motivate us now because, again, the, the main thesis of the book that I've written is how we live today is going to affect our life for all of eternity. And I believe that, and I trust God when he tells me about these rewards. So I'm going to labor in light of that, and I'll be excited someday to find out what those rewards are. One of my models, 
especially when I was a pastor and when I was a youth pastor, I said uh, one of my models was no regrets, no regrets. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're done with high school, the greatest feeling is to graduate with no regrets, not sitting there going, oh, I wish I could have. Oh, I should have. Uh, you know, why didn't I? And I think for the believer in Christ, when it's all said and done, we want to be up there with the Lord with, with no regrets as much as possible, not sitting there saying, I wish I could have. Oh, I wish that I had done this. Oh, I wish I had known I should have done this. So, Mark, how can people as much as possible, you know, live a worthy life with no regrets. Uh, the worst thing I think would be to come to the end of your life at 83, 84, 85 and realize it was misspent on things that didn't matter for eternity. Well, I think one of the things is is to do what Paul did. He says, forgetting those things that are behind. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they'll saying as they live their life crucified between two thieves, you know, the regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. Oh, that's good. They lose the present. So I think, you know, if a person's listening right now and they're saying, man, I'm, you know, I'm 50 years old and I got all, oh, look at all I've wasted. Well, don't spend your time thinking about that. You know, forget what's behind, press on toward the prize at the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Begin where you are today. It's fine to go to the Lord and say, look, Lord, I'm sorry for the time I've wasted. Uh, but I love that passage in Joel chapter 2 where it says the Lord can restore the years the locusts have eaten. And a lot of us have a lot of locust-eaten years, but God can restore those. God can maximize our time. And, and uh, so just begin today where you are to go to the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do? And by the way, if you pray that prayer honestly, God will show you what he wants you to do because God wants you to do what he wants you to do more than you want to do it. So go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you have for me? And find something that nobody else wants to do and start doing it. You know, in your church, you know, don't look for some big thing to start out with. Just find something. You know, again, you said earlier, hand out bulletins, be a greeter in the church, you know, show up at the church every Sunday with a smile on your face and be hospitable and kind and looking for people you can encourage. It's really so much of the little things in life, I think, that please God that we do. So find out what God wants you to do and, and do it. Do it faithfully. Do it over the long haul. Don't quit. Just be open to the leading of God's spirit of what God leads you to do. There's all kinds of little things we can do. We can be in a shopping center and give somebody that we can tell needs money, give them some money. I mean, there's things every day that we can do all over the place that we can do to please God. But it begins with that desire. And I think a lot of that desire springs from a deep sense of gratitude that God has saved me, he's taken me out of darkness into the light, and I want to go out and live for him. And if we want to do that, God will use us. Fantastic. We've been talking with Pastor Mark Hitchcock and his great new book here, Heavenly Rewards, Living with Eternity in Sight, Living for What Really Matters, Making Our Life Count for All of Eternity. And that's what it's all about for the disciple of Christ. Fantastic book here. Mark, if people want more information, not only on the book, but the many other things, you're one of the best teachers out there on Bible prophecy. If they want to find out more about Bible prophecy and the things you talked about, the tribulation, the millennial kingdom, where can they go to find more information? Well, they can go to my website. It's marklhitchcock.com. 
got the book Heavenly Rewards. You can get that there. I've got a book called The End that really kind of lays out the whole scenario of end-time prophecy that probably would be helpful to some folks. But then go to my website, marklhitchcock.com, and, and find out about some of those things there. And then the church I pastor, I pastor a church in Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, it's called Faith Bible Church here in Edmond, Oklahoma. So you can go online and listen to some of the things that we've talked about there as well related to prophecy and lots of other things. Yes, I'm on that website all the time fantastic website here. So, Mark, thanks for being with us again here on Evidence and Answers. Well, thank you so much for having me again. God bless you. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold a conference, give him a call. That number locally in Hawaii is 4830586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Zucran.